Do you ever wish you could have a life do-over, similar to a makeover or a house renovation? A chance to try something again with a different result? Try Again with Monique is a place where I will give you my take and also hear from you regarding the questions and challenges we all face in life. You will either be inspired to try life again, over and over again, or make some really good lemonade from those sour lemons. Either way, I got you. If at first you don't succeed, try again with Monique. So today I am speaking with Sue Christie, a missionary who has changed the lives of children, leaders, and pastors in the United States and abroad through conferences, education, mentoring, and meeting the needs of whatever community she finds herself in. Sue and her husband recently returned to the United States after living and ministering for many years in Kenya, Africa. Get ready for many enlightening takeaways as she shares her inspiring and God-led journey with us. Sue, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for agreeing to talk to me today. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for the invitation. It was such a surprise, but I'm so glad to hear from you. Same here. It's so great to hear your voice. My intention, Sue, for the Try Again with Monique podcast is to encourage people to really think outside the box about their lives and to have the courage to, you know, do something different or try something new, especially if they're unhappy with how things are currently going. Today's topic, as you know, is a life of service. And Sue, I define service as devoting your life or your career to helping others or enhancing their lives in some way. What I want to talk to you about today is how you Define service, how you've served abroad, and how you're currently serving abroad and in the States, and what you consider the benefits of service to be. And I want to start with the first question your personal definition of service. How do you define it? Well, as I have served over the years, I think you're one of the first people that has actually asked me that specific question. I often I think of service is just the doing part. Uh, And so that question really stood out to me. I think I can take your broader definition and kind of bring it down a little bit to, to stand with or to lift another person in stature and in strength in order to meet a need. And so whether, whether I am taking care of a child in an orphan setting, or I'm speaking to leaders up in the desert of Kenya. Either way, I see service as standing with that person. That is awesome. I love, love that definition of service. So tell us about your journey. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about how you got started doing missionary work, in particular, serving Kenyan communities. Okay. Um, Just before I get into how we ended up in Kenya, as missionaries overseas, we serve the poor communities as well as pastors and leaders of those communities Mm -hmm. to help encourage and strengthen them and teach them the word of God so that they can then teach it to their people so that we can reach the world for the kingdom of Christ, really. It is about about sharing his love for the world. And Heidi Baker put it so clearly. She said that ministry or service, as we're talking about today, is simply loving the person in front of you. 
It's yes. about stopping for the one and being the very fragrance of Jesus to the lost and the dying. And so my journey actually began when I was 17. I'm grateful that as a teenager, I was taught about service, although at the time I didn't know everything that that would entail in my life. Okay. But I, I took my first missions trip at the age of 17 to Brazil, and it was for a month during my summer vacation from high school. Wow. And Yeah. And so I had never been away from home for that length of time, but it was the first time that I saw the difference between what we might call the middle class uh-huh. and, tr- and true poverty. Hmm. I, I remember arriving at the mission house where we were staying and right across the street was a high rise like apartment building mm-hmm. and directly around the corner was an entire tin shack slum neighborhood. And it really opened my eyes and my mind to what service was going to mean in my life. What I witnessed there didn't impact me immediately as a teen because, you know, as a teen, your mind isn't fully developed. Sure, sure. (laughs) But it certainly planted a seed. And although I wasn't able to travel like that again until I was 35, another 17, 18 years away, that seed of service grew inside of me and it stayed with me. Okay. And so after I was married, my husband and I went to Malawi to minister with a missionary for six weeks in the villages there. And we fell in love with Africa. Wow. And so that was God's first way to really tug at our hearts as a couple. So when we got the chance to travel to Kenya in 2009, we jumped in with both feet. Okay. And, and there we heard the very clear call of God. He said, go home, sell everything you own, and return here to serve me. And we ended up moving there 10 months later in 2010. Wow. So God miraculously provided the way, and we went fully funded after 10 months. Okay. We served seven and a half years at the children's home as assistance to the director. Jim was the accountant in the office and overseer of um, a lot of the ground staff. And I was teaching in the classrooms and eventually became the principal of the school and overseer of the houses with the house staff. And we had also, our directors were very generous and they understood the meaning of the word calling. Mm -hmm. And so we had several opportunities to travel out from there, out of Nairobi, and share the word of God with people in Congo. We went, we went to South Sudan, India, Uganda, all around Kenya. And so after after serving at the children's home, we Uh ended up branching out And we started doing pastors' conferences, leaders, and women's conferences, and teaching Bible school in three different areas. So the beginning was six weeks in Malawi, and then it led to almost 12 years in Kenya and around Africa. And um, I just thank God for that opportunity. That's awesome. Awesome. And the name of the school, the orphanage, is called King's Kids Village, correct? Where that's you were in correct. Africa. Okay. Yes. That's Where you correct. served. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, though you're based in the States now, I believe you're, you're back in the States now, correct, Sue? 
Yeah, it's our new launching pad. Okay. My understanding is, though, you are still doing ministry work in Kenya. You recently, I believe, went back to host a conference for leaders there, correct? We did. In fact, in uh, the end of January of 2022 this year, we went to Kenya and we spent nine weeks and we did seven conferences. Wow. Seven. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because uh, we wanted to make sure we connected with all the pastors that we were really tight with. Mm-hmm. And so um, in order to get them all in, um, yeah, we had nine weeks to do it. And uh, it it was wonderful being able to check in, see how they're doing and bring material that would encourage and lift them up so that they could continue going throughout the year. And then we just came back from Zambia. Zambia, from, okay. Mm-hmm, where we did a, a crusade, uh, you know, an outdoor meeting, evangelistic meeting for four days. And we also worked with others at a conference and we had eight nations in attendance. Eight nations. Wow. Eight nations in one wow. venue. That is awesome. So these conferences, that is God. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So these conferences that you do for pastors and leaders, I, you know, I get your, your newsletters where you have, you keep people updated on what you and your husband are doing. Mm -hmm. And, and in one of the newsletters, I remember you talking about one of your conferences uh, that you talked about something like integrity and ministry. Can you talk to us a little bit more about those conferences and what, what kind of topics you cover and what kind of benefits have come out of those for those that have attended for those pastors and those leaders, the kinds of things you've seen, the growth, good reports you've seen, what has happened as a result of those conferences that you and your husband have hosted for pastors and leaders? Okay, that's that's a great question. We conduct conferences in Nairobi, which is, okay. you know, it, it's a busy business hub. And so you have, you have everything from poverty to upper class and, okay. and then we also do bush pastor conferences where we're out in the middle of the desert and sweating it out for four days. And, and, but what we find is the same need. They need sound doctrine. They need sound biblical teaching because a lot of the times what happens is they come to Christ and they're a new believer, but they have such a drawing. They're like, "I, I have to be a pastor for my area, but they don't have any, basis to start with. Okay. And so what we try to do is give a foundation that so that they don't start mixing religious ideas with cultural ideas, because okay. that really muddies the water. Mm-hmm. And so if they can get a solid foundation, they can begin to teach their people correctly. Okay. And so that's what we try to do with um, with most of our pastors and leaders. Other other curriculum would be encouragement. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, a lot of the pastors there. I mean, they are there are their phone is on three hundred sixty five days a year, twenty four hours a day. There are called at all hours of the day and night. They get up, they go, they do this. They're running around for their community. Um, sometimes we have to preach on rest. Sure, sure. <laughs> and, and encourage them, you know, to take a Sabbath every week and incur- and tell them the importance of that just so that they can rest and be with family. And, and B, we encourage them also, be with God. 
be with Jesus, be with the Holy Spirit. Sure. Uh, because sure. that is where your strength is going to come from. Absolutely. So we do, we do everything from preaching, you know, Jesus Christ crucified to, to the ordinances, you know, of the church, baptism and communion. And, and then we get into encouraging to continue, to keep going, to keep okay. your faith um, and stay strong in the Lord just for the next day. You know, sure, sure. And so um, we also teach priorities, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, of course, God is our first priority. That is the most important relationship. And then it is your spouse is next. And they kind of look at you like, what do you mean? Not ministry? And yeah, really, yeah, it's yeah. it's relationship with God, relationship with spouse, relationship with your kids, and then comes your ministry. And so we tell them, when you have those things in order, your ministry works better. Your service unto others works better when you serve the Lord first and serve your spouse next and your family and then the ministry. So we also talk about things like that. That is awesome. That is so awesome. Um, So why do you think, you've already in part answered this, but I'm going to ask anyway, because you may want to add something. Why do you think, Sue, service is important? And do you think that everyone can serve in some capacity? Wow. Uh, Service, service, service is important on so many levels. Of course, it lifts the other person If we look through the eyes of Jesus, we will always see a greater need than our own. And so I find that service is important because it keeps us humble. It not only it it doesn't mean to look down on ourselves, but to consider others more than we consider ourselves. And I think that it keeps us in a position to continue to serve, to serve God Uh, the creator himself, and others who are in need around us. So when we focus on serving, our focus automatically shifts from us to the other person. Sure. In Mark 9, 41, it says, For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. You know, although we... We don't choose to serve for a reward. However, right, right. when we serve in his name, there is a reward. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. so everyone, please hear me. Everyone can serve. Good. But Good. what I find is there has to be a willingness. You know, service under compulsion is debt, not service. And wow. service to receive in return for something in return is not true service either. So we have to look at our attitude. We have to look at what our true motive is at the moment that we choose to serve. And if it's not out of compassion, mm-hmm. then I believe that we're missing it because Jesus always moved with compassion. Yes. Which yes. because that's the heart of the Father. So I desire to serve in the same capacity which is Full of compassion. Romans 12 in verses 9 to 13 says, Love must be sincere. So that mm-hmm. has to be what our motive is. Absolutely. And it says, it says to be devoted to one another, and that's our humility. And then it says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. And that positions us to serve God. 
so we can be joyful in hope and patient in affliction and faithful in prayers because that always accompanies our service. That is great. That is great. How has, Sue, living a life of service enriched your life? What has it done for you? I guess it reminds me of Paul when he wrote to the Philippians in chapter four. Mm-hmm. He said he said he knows what it is to be in need and what it means to have plenty. He says that he has learned the secret of being content in every situation. Yes, yes. And so I think I've learned that. I think I have learned contentment mm-hmm. while serving. And that is something that the world doesn't know very well. So I um, agree. I, I agree. I think being content in any situation that I'm in has enriched me beyond everything else. It has prepared me for every situation to come. That's great. That's great. How do you think, Sue, the service that you and your husband uh, have provided and continue to provide has enhanced the lives of the people in the communities that you've served? You know, whether I'm feeding a child or Mm -hmm. providing a school fee, or like you said, uh, doing conferences among bush pastors or women in the community, when the word of God is brought into a community, we see the word flourish among the people, and then the community as a whole begins to flourish. I, I saw it up in the desert of Kenya. You're driving by one community that has nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, um, they have their, their small little mud homes or whatnot, but, and they're living off the land, and, and, uh, which is very difficult up there. And it's not that that isn't um, good, but mm-hmm. you'll go to another community where the word has already been brought and you see things being built up. There are stores being built up, small schools coming up, small church structures coming up. And it just seems that the community becomes richer and more established and solid. The transformation takes place one person at a time and then one community at a time benefits as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. You know, Sue, I believe, I love the definition you gave for service. You said doing your part to stand with or lift another person in stature or strength in order to meet a need. I believe that a life of service is not just about helping people, as you've stated as well, but also making sure that they're better off when you leave them, better off because you showed up, because of the service you offered, because of the service that you gave. I just love what you're teaching us here today about attitude, our intention behind what we're doing. We need to check that and and be clear about our motive, Um, having contentment in what you're doing, the work that you're doing for people and in service to God, having contentment in whatever setting God has you in, whatever season he has you in. And you mentioned that uh, you and your husband began because God called you. But I want to just say, uh, especially to the listeners, it's not just about God calling you because God has called all of us to a purpose. There's something for all of us to do here on earth. Everybody has an assignment, but you have to answer that call. And that is what will make the difference in the lives of the people that you're called to serve. You have to answer Mm -hmm. the call. God calls all of us, I believe, to service in some form uh, through the purpose that he has for your life, the assignment that he's given you here on earth to complete. Um, But you have to answer the call in order to make Mm -hmm. a difference. 
True. Very true. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who is listening, who maybe, you know, can't serve in the way that you do? They can't pack their stuff up and go live in Africa and serve that community in that way. But they want to reach out. They want to extend themselves more, you know, to service. They want to help someone. How can they begin the journey of a life of service? I love that question because the first thing that came to my mind was start at home. Wow. Sir, uh, serve your own family. You know, if you're a young person, mom and dad, mom and or dad need help. Your your siblings need help. Um, you know, if you're you're a parent, a lot of these days, parents in the home, they're both working or 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 they're a single parent and they're working two jobs and. But I would encourage them to serve their children at home as much as they can. When you serve your family, you definitely honor them and that honors God. Beyond that, you know, reach out to a neighbor. I I think we all have a neighbor who is in need. Sure, Um, sure. You know, whether it's just spending time and talking with them, you know, maybe they're lonely or you need to break their leaves because their arm's in a sling or whatever it is, as long as you go without expectation of receiving something from them, you know, you go with an expectation just to serve and to bless them. And so um, you can choose one day a month to serve at your local food pantry or soup kitchen. You can organize an event in a school or at a church. There is never a lack of places to serve. I agree. And everybody can start right where they are. Like you said, somewhere your own family, somewhere. Just look around. The needs are great and they're always there. You just have to, I believe, pay attention. Uh, And you'll find a need and you'll find a way to meet the need if you're paying attention. And and if you're looking for an opportunity to do so, I agree with that. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to do what you're doing? They want to do exactly what you're doing. What do they need to know or what do they need to do to walk in your shoes, so to speak? First thing that I would encourage them to do is to take a short term trip. Okay. Uh, See how the rest of the world lives. Some... Some mission trips are evangelistic in nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, Others are um, focused on a medical mission where they serve the individuals of a community. Others are humanitarian based where they're actually going in and, you know, rebuilding a community that's been hit by, you know, tsunami or what or or earthquake or whatever has happened. But Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, a short term trip will tell you if you are meant for long term. Okay. And um, beyond that, always, always look to God for his answer and his calling. And then once you get that answer, then you then you respond, then you respond. Absolutely. But I I always, um, you know, I've worked with youth groups and I've always encouraged parents to encourage their children, their teens. Um, Mm -hmm. I would put it at. Uh, it's hard to take 13-year-olds, but maybe maybe 15 and up, uh, take a short-term mission trip. Get get out of the United States if possible. Sure. Um, you know, maybe sometimes you want to start with those trips to New York City, you know, in the homeless areas and even within your own city. But to get out of the country, out of the United States and see how the rest of the world lives is very important. I think that's good. Get a broader, you know, perspective because life is bigger than your block, your neighborhood, your town, your city, even your state, your country. I think that's really good and sound 
practical advice. Um, so where can listeners find you online or, or, you know, how can they connect with you if they want to yeah. get in touch with you? Well, you know, I was, as I was thinking about that question, I was kind of um, disappointed that we don't have our a website up yet, but we can always be reached at Jim and Sue Kenya at yahoo.com. Okay. Jim Christie and Sue Christie. We have Facebook pages or messenger. And you can also check out the Facebook page uh, across the nations. Across the re- nations. Mm-hmm. And we okay. can respond to you there. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for giving us great takeaways for how we can start the journey of living a life of service. Now I'm going to switch a little bit, Sue, to more personal questions so that our (laughs) listeners can get to know you personally a little better. Uh, These these are light and these are just kind of fun. I'm going to ask just a couple. So here we go. (laughs) What is something, Sue, that you like or dislike that most people wouldn't know about you? Uh, I'll keep it lighthearted. Okay. <laughs> uh, at, at this point, I will use the word hate. I know it's a really strong word, but it's okay. the only one I can come up with. I hate strawberries and mushrooms. Really? Uh, yes. But however, I do love to cook with them or bake with them for other people. <laughs> I love okay. the smell of them in my house, but I cannot taste them. <laughs> you don't like the taste of them. I don't like the taste of um, the strawberries for sure. And I don't like the texture of the mushrooms. (laughs) Got it. Taste and texture issues. Okay. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. How would you, Sue, describe yourself in one word? Growing. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Let's keep it going. What is your favorite thing to do? Your favorite thing to do? My favorite thing to do is to teach. I know that sounds like, well, you just came up with that because of your, you know, what you've been doing the last 12 years, but I really find that is really my happy place. It was my career and now it's my calling. Awesome. Awesome. Last one. Who is your favorite person and why? Who is your favorite person and why? My favorite person is Jim Christie, my husband. Awesome. Good answer. Good <laughs> because, answer. <laughs> because um, I know that I am his priority after God, and he is an example of Christ to me every day. Love that. Just love that. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time today. You've given us some inspiration as well as some great practical takeaways on how we can start on that journey of living a life of service and helping someone, ourselves, the missionary and the evangelical work that you and your husband have done and continue to do is, is making people and situations better off than before you arrived on the scene. And I want to thank you personally for you and your husband's life of service. Thank you for taking the time today to talk thank to us you for taking and the to time guide to us listen on how to we try can again use our with own Monique. lives to serve If you enjoyed else. today's episode, please take a moment to leave a review wherever you are listening. Please also remember to hit the subscribe button so you can be notified when new episodes are available. New episodes will be posted weekly. Please also like and follow us on Facebook. Try Again with Monique is a production of GM Associates released under Creative Common Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license. Remember, if at first you don't succeed, try again with Monique.